If you love Fire in Little Africa and want to support the movement, head over to our online store and shop our clothing line. We've got hoodies, shirts, hats, and more designed by none other than Trey Thaxton of Greenwood Ave. Check out our full line today at fireinlittleafrica.com slash shop. Please remember to post a pic and tag us on social media. All right? Woody Guthrie Center and Bob Dylan Center present Fire in Little Africa, a multimedia hip-hop project inspired by the resilience of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And now, coming at you live from Greenwood, here are your hosts, Ali Shaw and Doc Free. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. So, first and foremost, uh, before we get into it, let's just do a real quick check-in on the, temper- the temperature on where you are located uh shit hang on <laughs> I, i'm hold on my I, I just rolled the dice and i think my money's on 22 okay let me see let's i'm see. probably the same of course but i'm interested to see what, what, oh, what, what kale's got 18 oh but what does it feel like we also need to know that too um it feels like you know, in Dante's circle, the closer you get into the circles of hell, the colder it gets. Like we're almost in like that eighth circle, that ninth circle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We've got, you know, it's got like Satan, like blocked and trapped in the block of ice. Tell you, Dante's Inferno. They knew what they were talking about. <laughs> they knew. Okay, what's the temperature looking like where you're at, Ko? It's 19 here, but it feel like 12. Like I swear, it feel like 12. It says oh. feels like seven on my weather, my weather app. That's what mine just said too. I'm not feeling this cold. Not it, one bit. It feels like we are so far away from the light of God. <laughs> well, well, that's how they write it in Dante's Inferno. The reason why the colder it gets because you're farther and farther away from the light of God. And then that's why Satan's like trapped in a block of ice doing his curse that name thing. Because he's stuck. Doc, you in this hoodie and the blanket have just really given me like good cold energy. Thank you. I got a draft somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but I'm I'm dealing with it. This is how I'm dealing with it. I'm I'm wearing my uh, flash dance <laughs> sweatshirt and my fuzzy socks too. So we're gonna keep it pushing. All right. Well, welcome once again to the Fire in Little Africa podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Ali Shaw. I'm that other co-co. Uh, wait, oh, I'm oh. I'm the I'm the other co-host. I don't know. I have a little slight dyslexia. I almost said ho coast, uh, <laughs> space hose coast to coast. A uh, little little metal face doom action. Little danger mouse. Anyways, <laughs> I'm the other co-host, Doc Free. Save your jokes. Um, I just wanted to say something about ho hos. That's. All. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so cute. That was so cute. Well, ho hos are like the worst hostess. They are like why? Well, unless you freeze them, maybe. But are almost the chocolate ones? <clears throat> yeah, you know the ones that like roll up. On it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They are terrible. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Swiss rolls, dog. <clears throat> Swiss rolls. Yeah. yeah. Better than, greater than, greater than sign. Yes. Well, until I I saw an episode of the Great British Baking Show once again. Say your fucking jokes. Uh. And then I saw them make a real Swiss roll. And those things are huge. They're huge. It was, it was a cake though, right? It was like a big cake. Well, yeah, about? I guess like, I guess traditional Swiss rolls are like the size of small cakes. They're like little loaves. Yeah, I saw that sugar too. sugar and, and, and sweetness and whatever you want to put in it. Right. Like uh, getting getting the, di- the diabetes just thinking about it. But man, <laughs> it looked good. It looked good. It did. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't know it was an actual thing. And, you know, I always thought they were just little Debbie snacks. So, you know, but uh, mm. but let's get into the show. I in it. we are so in it talking about O's <laughs> and Swiss rolls in the weather oh. where you are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What did I, Mom is the same. Feels like seven degrees. So we're going. Yeah, we're going. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited because, you know, it's not a whole lot of women on this project. And I love being able to hear that feminine energy 
and I'm listening to the new project today and I'm like oh and the features too I'm like god there's so many tracks on this album but anyway K.O. she is a rapper originally from Enid Oklahoma but now she's in OKC right and uh to date she has released three albums uh we got Trickin Illest Bitch Alive and just a couple weeks ago, she released her newest project, In the Meantime, which features JB and Bambi and like a slew of others. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show. This is K.O. They trying to play me like a sucker, but I ain't gonna go. Used to do this shit for free, but look, I can't no more. All these niggas shit is trash, I swear I hate they flow. Used to try to play them friendly, but I can't no more. What you want, tryna get paid, get paid That's your big bro, I think you bitch made, bitch made I think I'm that bitch and that just ain't gon' change God just keep on blessing me, I can't complain Fuck these niggas' friendship, I'm tryna whip a range Them a bitch keep going up just like the stock exchange They do the most of fake love and I think it's strange These niggas either with me or they in the way Out here moving on some million dollar shit I don't need a nigga love cause I'm a million dollar bitch All these niggas with me shooters and they ain't gon' switch How the fuck you king Kim but you ain't never seen a brick They be capping on these apps I swear I hate that shit Tryna touch a hundred mil so I ain't gon' quit I'm disgusted by your words so my face might switch You can try but my niggas catch a case right quick out here moving on some million dollar shit I don't need a nigga luck cause I'm a million dollar bitch All these niggas with me shooters and they ain't gonna snitch How the fuck you kingpin but you ain't never seen a brick Look, I'm not the bitch to compete with I'm really her, it's no secret All that fake love, you can keep it If you say you smoke, then they reaching That shit they drop is the weakest no drip, that's some cheap shit. Cheap shit. This bitch the illest, believe it. Believe it. Thank y'all for having me out. <laughs> you look so pretty. How you doing? Yeah, thank you. I thought I was looking like everything I'm going through, so thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you look good. How you um, feeling? I mean, I'm good. Like you just said, the new project just came out, and like um, the feedback has been great. Of like all the stuff that I've done over maybe like the last four years this one has for sure gotten like the most support. So I mean, like the numbers have done like really well for me. It's like, it's only a week and I'm coming up on like, uh, like 2,500 streams and that's like a big number. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's huge. Like, that's very know, huge. Some people, they uh, like, I used to trick my trip myself out about the numbers and shit like that. But it's like, once I really just sat back and looked at it for how big it is from where I'm at, you know what I'm saying? I started to appreciate everything more. So yeah just looking at how well this is done over like the last week has just really been blowing my mind. So I'm just, I'm on cloud nine about that. I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm one of those artists that it's like, I just love people to hear the music. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, do you feel like it makes a difference when you stop, fo- like you said, you stop focusing on that and then you're focused more on the art. Like this is your passion. This is your love. Yeah. So do you think that that's what did it? I think honestly, yeah, if I'm honest, cause it's like, I had to get to a place to where I wasn't stressing myself out about like, you know, I'm doing all this stuff and I, I think that it's great, but I feel like nobody but me feels that way. You know what I'm saying? And like, nobody's seeing it. You know what I'm saying? So it starts to feel like, is this like, what am I doing this for? You know what I'm saying? But it's like, I got to a point to where I don't give a damn who looks at it, what the numbers are. I really love every single thing that I do. You know what I'm saying? Like when I go shoot those videos, when I go to the studio and make those songs, like I love what I do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had to get to a space where that was enough for me. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I, I totally know what you mean because you get to a place where when you do have that passion for what it is you truly love, the people who give you love in return is like the just the icing on the cake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm still learning that. You know. It is yeah, it's definitely a learned process for sure. Do what like, you I love, got- you never work a day in your life. That's the part, cause it's like I got to. It's like really, even if nobody sang along, I would still sing those songs. You know what I'm saying? Like I was yeah. the way that I feel about them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's real. Yeah, I want to talk about a few of the tracks. Let's see. We got no cable with JB. Man, I felt that in my chest. <laughs> Everything about that. Let's see. You're saying Grandma didn't have no cable? Is that right? Am I saying that right? Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, I I'm, I knew that feeling like. I grew up a mile outside of city limits. We didn't have cable. Like I had to go across the bridge in Purcell, Oklahoma to get access to cable. So I felt that. 
Uh, let's see who who's on the track with you. Um, the the track is called Lost Ones. I, I didn't write his name down. His name is Louise B. Louise B. Yeah, dope, yeah. dope. Um, I like gibberish with Joey Sativa, <clears throat> and then of course slide through with my girl Bambi. I was like, oh yeah. I anyway, I'm I'm really digging this project. Slide through, be getting folks into trouble. We've been getting me in some trouble. I, you know what I'm saying, I'm. You know what I'm saying it's just like uh, when you're trying to say something without saying something, you know. You go ahead, and put the slide through on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Safely, of course. You know, what I'm saying distance out. You know, what I'm saying straight up. I be faced with that. You know, what I'm saying slather down with the Purell. You know, slather down with Purell, doc. Ew. Um, it was like hard to pick. It was hard to pick favorites, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Friendship, thought was dope. Uh, Sorry, Not Sorry is probably one of my favorites. The the flow is so cold. Weather appropriate. The weather is weather appropriate, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Colorado Rockies. um, Man. I like the interlude, (laughs) too. The the low interview, or interlude. Yeah. I love, like, I love that y'all say that because it's like that was one of my favorite tracks. It's like um, like the the project before I did a project called Thirty Six Hours, and it like it talks more of like my personal like struggles that I was going through, and I was like really transparent and honest. You know what I'm saying? And the low record just identified a period from that to where it's like whenever you get in your car and you're super fucked up, and it's like once you get behind the wheel and you start the car and you realize I'm a little bit fucked up right now. You know what I'm saying? Hence why the music is chopped and screwed while it's playing. So like once right. you start the transition, you start the car, you're sitting there, you're trying to get it together before you take off and you shake it off. And then as you see, like you snap out of it and the music comes back to normal and the car takes off. Yeah. So like, whenever people hear that shit and they like, no, I like the vibe of that. I'm like, that shit really in my mind is like a whole, uh, like a real life experience. So I think it's inspired whenever people single that one out. That's dope. Yeah. yeah it's an, an ethereal experience for Thank sure. You. I'm all about interludes too, man. Like it's something about a story in between the story, you yeah. know? Hell yeah. How did you end up making your way from Enid to Oklahoma City, though? Like, tell us about that process. Uh-oh. Anybody who, like, is familiar with Enid, you know, it's like a super duper small town. It's not a lot of jobs. It's like, it's not a lot of anything there. And I was always like a person who was like, I never wanted to get caught up in that small town mentality where it's like, I don't see the world as bigger than this. Because it's like, it's people I know my whole life who don't see too much outside of Enid. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might get a warehouse job at, like, Tyson Meat Company or work for the UPS and that's like that's the stat there you know what I'm saying it's not too much more that you can do outside of that and that just wasn't enough for my life so like whenever I left for college and I graduated I came to um I came to Oklahoma City to get a job and I started working my job for like a couple years and you get that mind frame to where it's like damn I don't want to do this for the rest of my life you know what I'm saying like and I knew this whole time since I was a teenager how much I love music but it's like as you get older and you stuck in a small town and there's no type of music culture, you don't think that that shit is real. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I think music is amazing, but what am I really going to do with that shit from here? You know what I'm saying? So to get a reasonable job out of school is just like, that felt like success to me. But then once you get there, you hate it so much. Like your soul is not fulfilled doing that shit. So it's like, for me, that's whenever I started just, I picked up multiple jobs and gave like everything that I had to this music. You know what I'm saying? Like wherever they'll let me come rap, I'm coming to rap. Whoever will listen to this music, I want them to hear it. Like, I don't, I don't give a damn, like, I, I just, I want it that bad. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, from this point on, that's what I've dedicated my life to. So I don't know. I get that. I'm from a small town too. So I, I totally, we right here. Yeah, it's like, that's, that will not, if you like really, if you really a dreamer, that'll never be enough for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm one of those people. Yeah, I hear you. So when did you start rapping then? Was it after you moved? No, I've been rapping since I was like 12 years old. Like, I, my big brother, he rapped before me, um, that's kind of where I got the entire the desire to want to make music because I thought my big brothers were so cool. Like I wanted to be like them, you know what I'm saying? So my brother would come in the house and like rap and give me bars, but I wouldn't rap them because I was shy. But um, that's kind of where I learned my way. And then like slowly but surely, as I got into elementary school, I was getting into trouble and like they put me in the therapy program and the program was like, you need to write down your feelings more and your thoughts and how you feel. And then I would do that shit and I wasn't entertained by having a journal. So then they said, okay, we'll try to write poetry. It's the exercise of trying to rhyme the words together and just just to keep your mind going. So I'm like, okay, I started writing the poetry and then I started like using the poetry to write stories about my life. And then I love music so much naturally, the poems turned into raps and then here we are. So shit, I don't know. 
All right, 12 years old, you said, right? Yeah, like 12 years old. All right, Doc, I know the next question coming from you. What were you bumping? Like, what what was uh, what was uh, driving? What was some, some inspiring stuff that you were listening to at the time? Okay, the um, I can give you the exact albums that made me, like, fall in love with the idea of wanting to be a rapper. And that's I guess that's the part that I love about myself as an artist, too, is that I can pinpoint the moments and the stories when that shit happened. So, like, my big brother, he used to, like, break into people's houses. And, like, whenever he would get shit, like, you know, PlayStation, stereos and shit, he would bring the shit back to me. So, you know, like he brought me a boombox one time and in the boombox just so happened to be Eve Rough Riders First Lady. You know what I'm saying? Whenever I tell you, I played that shit until the CD scratched. Like, I played that shit until the uh, the CD scratched and I could not play that shit no more. What's your favorite track? I'm going to say the, um, let's, not the intro. Damn, uh, the shit would drag on. Oh my God. Hold up. No, don't do that to me because that's like one of my favorite albums of all time. It's the, uh, why are you talking crazy? Stuck up, stuck up. That's my favorite song. It's like whenever, whenever I'm a kid and I'm hearing the album, like I'm not realizing like what I know now about how like there's ghostwriters and shit like that and how they formulate hits these days. So I'm like, I'm thinking Eve is like some of the most amazing shit I've ever seen and heard in my life. Like her aggression, but the way that she was still like a lady while being that aggressive. Like I yeah. love about that and with then, the paw prints on her chest. Hell yeah, I, I loved all of that shit. And then like, um, as I started to get older and I was getting in trouble, like in school, like I moved to Oklahoma City, like with my aunt, like at some point in elementary. And I think my very first interaction with female rap was Lil' Kim's Hardcore. And like my auntie didn't want us to listen to that shit because it was so raunchy. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, but whenever she would leave for work and we would clean the house, we would put the shit on and play it. And um, none tonight, <laughs> for some reason, as a kid, none tonight was my song. I don't want dig tonight, tonight. Hey, like. That was my shit as a kid, you know what I'm saying? So it, it blew my mind, but my auntie was like, that That whole shit was taboo, but it was like this woman, <laughs> it was so like sexually provocative that was like standing up in it. Like Lil' Kim yeah. was afraid to be who the fuck she was and she didn't give a fuck how nobody felt about that shit. And like- Queen bitch was my track. I fell in love with that persona. So it's like, even Lil' Kim for sure. And then like, <clears throat> whenever Missy started to get her run, like as I got older, like, I'm I'm a heavy set girl, so to see, like, Missy would, like, swag be a bigger girl, and she was rapping and singing, like, I don't know, like, those, those are really the things that molded me into, like, to loving music and just put me in so many different avenues, but that was the root of it, you know what I'm That saying? was one of the comparisons I wanted to make um, before we talked to you, because I was like, you can sing and rap. That's, Missy is, like, skills. Yeah, like, not a lot of people can do that. I mean, I respect Missy's pen so much. Like, if you really sit back and know, like, all of the shit that she had her hand in from, like, old school SWV shit to, like, Fantasia, the little mode tweet. Like, if you really look at her resume, you'll be like, damn, she's a musical genius. And you was making those beats, too. Like, all the shit that you did for Monica. It's like, so much don't exist in R&B without Missy. And so many people don't know that. And it's like, her, her pen is amazing. Like, I'm, I'm a stan, like, no doubt about it. What's some of your favorite Missy tracks? Because, I, yeah, I need to hear that one, too. Um, my favorite Missy track for sure is going to be Friendly Skies with Genuine. Um, that Good was choice. like, I, I don't know what Good it is choice. about the way that beat hits, the melody, but even the shit that she wrote for Genuine that feels the same way. It's like, Friendly Skies is my shit. Uh, beat Me 911. Uh, damn, what's the shit with Little Mo? Uh, Superwoman? Oh, no. Uh, Superwoman. Uh, the one that was on Missy's <clears throat> album. Uh, the one where they going back and forth, like rapping with each other. Um, damn. I got all of my grill and hot boys stuck in my head. Hot boys, you don't know. Uh, crazy feelings with Beyonce. <coughs> um, she, of course, I can't stand the rain. Uh, I, what I loved about Missy was like on every album, like if you listen all the way through, you'll notice that she has like a gospel tribute at the end of every album. Yep, some people don't really get into that, but I love that she always like that she kept that part in there. And like, whenever she put those R&B singers who aren't necessarily walking in the gospel lane on them tracks and just let them like, yeah. just flow. Like, I love that shit. Like, so I always yeah. felt like that was for her mama. I feel like that too. It's like, yeah. it's just from the, from the core. You know what I'm saying? I'm one mm. of those people too. Like my grandparents are super churchy people. So I always love that. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you got me thinking too about the track she did with Eve, the Ain't Got No Dough. <laughs> yeah, Ain't Got No Dough, that shit too. Um. I mean, shit, the shit with the brat. Mm. What's the one with the brat? 
Uh, Sock it to me. Sock it to me. That that hype killed it on that video too. Yeah, man. Like production on that's a cold. That's a whole another like rabbit hole with Missy and videos though. Like just just visually the way that she sees the shit. Like she was on Twitter the other day talking about the beat me nine one one video and about how everybody made fun of her to the point to where she wanted to redo the treatment for the beat me nine one one video because they were like she was like y'all look like Barbie and Ken. Nobody gonna go for this shit. It looks stupid. And she was like, you know, I'm just glad I went with my first mind like creatively and I wasn't yeah. Shit. It was dope, yeah. And she yeah. wasn't influenced by television, really. Like she had everything was here, everything was in her mind. Like she talked about that a lot. Like she, her, they didn't let her watch TV like that when growing up. So, dude, yeah. Shout out to the cast that was doing the videos too. It was just like I remember watching, like making the video, and it was the all almost always like a little uh, a Missy a Missy Elliott video get made because yeah. she had the like the elaborate shit. But you know what I'm saying? Like Buster, did him, like you think Buster listening to somebody whenever hype comes to him, was like, we're gonna do this video, it's called Give Me Give Me Some Mo. Now yeah. let me tell you what we're gonna do. You know, yeah. Buster wasn't worried about that shit. But but I, I mean, remember No, go Missy, ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, you guys are saying like Missy, like one of my dopest, one of the dopest verses I ever heard her do. She did uh Master Flex Volume Three, uh supposed the final chapter, because this fool did like eight more after that. But she did uh a, a freestyle over uh, Wu Tang's triumph, and that was like a, put my brain on the ceiling, like like wow, because triumph was like the the ensemble track for Wu Tang for me at the time, and then she's come oh, through and just because sure, I haven't heard that freestyle. Oh yeah, Funk Master Flex Volume Three, the final chapter, triumph featuring Missy Elliott because like it's just a, a mixtape full of everybody going over everybody else's beats but she killed it on that one though super hard yeah Missy okay what about so we've covered a lot of female artists what about any male artists I'm I'm, I'm just I love hearing faves yeah um Jay-Z is the greatest thing I've ever heard put pen to a pad <laughs> like I don't get into that whole uh I, I feel like Jay-Z gets his best due, but sometimes I feel like they slight him because he's not like a lyrical miracle. Like um, in earlier in his career, whenever he did the fast rap style, like it's yeah. not. So it's like once you phase out of that into a popular style that the, I feel like in a lot of the greats career, they had to dumb it down to pop. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like you couldn't, I don't know what it is about once you elevate in your craft, like people aren't as intrigued. It's like, I don't want to have to do all that work to figure it out, figure out the story and what you're trying to put together. If you can't just give it to me and I can get it off rip, I'm not trying to do all that work to get it because I'm not that invested in you yet. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like yeah. Maybe once they care a little more, then you could turn it up, but they don't care in the beginning. It's like, if I ain't yeah. get it like this, I ain't into all of that. So with Jay-Z, he was the same type of dude. Like, but I loved, I learned the art of storytelling through Jay-Z's pen. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my very first Jay-Z album, like my cousin, he he used to go to Philly with his dad in the summer. And one summer he came back and had the Blueprint album. And he was playing it at my auntie's house and I stole it from him. And that was a CD that I played until it scratched too. And it's just like, I, his ability to tell stories like, oh, mama loves me and fucking, uh. like it, it's it's so many, like if, even if I go like to the Black album, the way that he puts a story together, I feel like I was there. I feel you painted the picture for me. Like every single thing that you said, like Jay-Z as far as, the art of the art of rap that is my goat like for real um yeah. as far as like the flashy popping shit rap i love Joel santana you know what i'm saying like i was one of those people that stood on he was gonna be one of the greats to this day i don't understand what happened because i was like Joel swaggy. he had bars like he could really go i was like what the fuck is not connecting here like i thought his first album was so fucking amazing his first two albums like I don't know. Diplomatic immunity? Come on. Yeah, just like, all oh. over that. Just But I thought, didn't he go to jail? Didn't Joel's go to jail? Like, isn't that what kind of was, was, was it? Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he ended up, I think they said he was, like, strung out on lean or something and then some shit was happening with his contract with Cameron. But I don't know. It was the, the music business. I don't know. But I, it blew my mind that he didn't really hit for the people. Like, Joel Santana is fucking amazing. Um, Royce the 5'9". I just, oh, I, yeah. He, he jumped like in my rankings, like, but he's one of those guys that I feel like is an alien. You know what I'm saying? Him, Andre 3000 is another one. Oh, yeah. Like, the way that Andre, his ability to flow between rap and sing too. And it's like, I love Andre's voice the same way I love Erica's because it's like, they're not people. Mary J. Blige too, like, if you really sit back and look at their art, as far as the vocal ability, it's not that. It's the way that they make you feel on the Yes. And so, let me say something, if you don't mind, real fast. Somebody said something on Facebook the other day. I got to say something real fast about Mary J. Blige. They spelled her name wrong, and they were talking mess about her. 
They basically said she couldn't sing. I said, you spelled her name wrong. I'm like, if, you at le- if you're going to talk mess about her, at least spell her name right. Like, come on. But like, what I wanted to say was like, man, I really don't care if Mary is not the best vocally. Yeah. You have no idea the kind of, like for my personal life, that was kind of like yeah. the soundtrack of my life, <laughs> especially like, what's the 411, share my world, like my life, like all these albums. I was like, I, I'm yeah. really okay. going through some of these things right now. Got two words for you, Keith. Sweat, okay. How can we let? We, I mean, we gonna let Keith sweat oh, slide, but no. you gonna get on Mary J's head. Come on now. I was gonna say you can't put them in the same boat. That's disrespect. They're both you know saying, like we, we we let Keith slide just because he had that, but like no oh, range. No. But like once again, a lot of hits that would have soundtrack to yes. your life. Do you know the most um the uh, randomly that we talking about it like one of the most unique voices that I ever heard that kind of like just won me over there was like damn if you really know what to do with your tone you can do anything like Slim from 112 yes listen to his tone he has the most unique tone I've ever heard and it's like he's not giving you amazing vocal ability he has a unique tone and he knows what to do with it like yeah that shit right there is like living proof that it don't matter if you know what to do with your voice you can make that shit work Innocent Pack is like one of those it's like you got there's just something in the tone of everything that you say that sounds like you just came off the line and wrote a blues song like right there and just put it just like some an injection of soul Bilal's kind of like the same way that's ooh, like ooh, that oh don't get me started on Bilal mm. no okay so y'all remember uh Jay-Z's American Gangsta like after oh, yeah. the fact whenever I knew how much Bilal had to do with that album I had like a newfound respect for Bilal because Bilal had already had some songs that I wasn't that I was familiar with but whenever I heard like what he did on like Fallen and shit like those records it's just like if you have like I don't know what it is it's like a certain type of music ear you have to have that whenever you hear something that's truly amazing that shit will stop you in your tracks and be like damn like you really some creative motherfucker you know well he's a jazz he's more jazz than anything but he's you know all kind of all over the place yeah. like that's where his mind is that's where his brain is he's a jazz artist and good, really. and good reference there a lot of people don't reference american gangster i think that's one of jay's like finest albums it's like it's right up there with reasonable doubt yeah. and hard life or hard not life you know what i'm saying it's they're just like right there you can call me crazy like i put that that and it fights for if i give it number two it fights with blueprint or damn what's more than the black, black album? album i love black album it's like i love black album too but it's like it's something about the way that he told the stories on blueprint on american gangster like it's so many like quotables and the way he's telling the story it's like even though he themed that after the movie whenever mm-hmm. he gets the no hook and he's telling if i would have grew up to be a doctor my nephews would have grew up to do the same like you know what i'm saying like whenever he's telling the story of you know what i'm saying like being stuck and wanting more for your life and I got to get you out of here mama or I'm gonna die inside like that's a real feeling you know what I'm saying like I don't give a fuck what the risk is outside like that's a real life story you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like everybody's not everybody's not trying to be Scarface and move 10 bricks some people is just a motherfucker that's like I really just want better for my life I want something more than this you know what I'm saying and I think stories like those is what captivate everybody like that's how you get the masses like yeah yeah did you hit the nail on the head jay's one of the best to do it like i can think of like well it was all good just we go like him in two short like several tracks with him and my man uh men bleak bro they would tell like some straight carlitos way type stories on those early jay albums don't get it fucked up i love that shit too i love that drug talk too because it's like i don't know what it is as far as like the I guess the mythical figures of drug dealers. Like these don't guys. forget about Beanie Siegel either. Oh, Beanie wait. Siegel would come through and splash over all of those. Yeah. I'll argue about that. I'll be like, Beanie Siegel is really the only nigga who I felt like ever ever stood next to Jay-Z and had a verse that's like, nah. Yeah. 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 Like you stood up on Jay-Z. Like, I'm sorry, like Jay-Z is the greatest <laughs> ever do it, but Beanie Siegel is a different type of monster. You know what I'm saying? Bread and butter is my shit. Like when I need to feel, mm, I'm, I'm gonna put on bread and butter every time. That's my track. Did you buy into uh, the state property whenever like they was doing that way? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Freeway. I really like, I liked Beanie's solo project, like Purple Rain, Bread and Butter, all those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got into like Petey Crack Heavy. Like, I don't yeah. know what it was about his. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, Petey is yeah dope as hell man y'all 
Oh, okay. Oh, I love you. I love you. What you love. <laughs> I can sit and talk music with you all day. I'm sorry. I, I done got all over the place. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Because it helps to know like where an artist, you know, head is at too. It's like, oh, you really know your shit, you know? And, it, and I think what I, what I get from it is that you really study the craft. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people don't, when you see that, like we were talking about earlier, you know, you, you do it because it's what you really love. You're not you're not doing it to make money. You're not doing it for likes or whatever. Like you're, no, you actually really love this shit. And, and you're, yeah, like, you're a student of the game. So that's, that's a motherfucking fact. Like whenever I tell you that, whenever they tell the concept of the 10,000 hours and like, have you really given that much time to your craft? You know what I'm saying? Like I meet artists all the time who are going to the studio, didn't write down shit, went in, the, went in the booth just bar for bar and that was the verse. I've never in my life been that kind of rapper. I care about every single bar that I wrote. You know what I mean? So I just, I, I don't know. Like like you said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a student before I'm anything. Like I genuinely care about the craft. Like I do. 2 talk to you about oh, how you became involved with fire and little africa um how, just because you were not there during the recording session so we want to make Very sure true. we tell everyone that um you know but how like how did that all come about like how did you find out about it i'm still amazed that i wound up a part of this like i um i was just like another artist out here in oklahoma who heard about what was going on in tulsa like you know what i'm saying some super undercover like clearly like some big deal stuff like just like everybody else heard I didn't know anything about it you know what I'm saying like I was just grinding working my move and um Steph Simon reached out actually and he was um he was just telling me you know like there's a a deadline you know what I'm saying like you gotta we need the song back by this amount of time so we can do this this and this I had to like write my lyrics down and do everything like very fast you know what I'm saying still not really clear on what's happening or what's going on it was like some super secretive shit like you know people tell the uh the stories of how they got a Beyonce feature it feels like that it's like because I don't know what's going on and everything's super top secret but okay so I did the verse I got it back to him the next day um they hit me I typed out lyrics sent it over and that was all I knew and then next thing I know it was um pulling up for the photo shoot and all of this stuff and I was like okay like this is this is some big deal stuff I don't know what's going on but I mean you know shout out to Steph Simon I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of it like I said it just everything just seems like a super big deal. I guess a lot of creative people involved and I'm just, I'm honored to be a part of it. So. Can you tell us, cause so basically they did like some smaller recording sessions after the, the big, you know, recording session for the whole weekend thing or whatever. Um, can you tell us anything about some of the songs that you've worked on and what that creative process was like in the, in the recording studio? It's, it's again, like I said, Ali, like the, the music was already made. Like if I'm, if I'm 1000% honest with you, the title that I got wasn't even the title that I think the song ended up being. Like it was already like um, put together. There were three other artists on it. I believe it's me, um, me, Shy, Shy from the North, Shy Guy from the North Side. I, I be calling people by their IG names because some of them <laughs> I never even met in person. Yeah. I know it's Shy on there. I know it's Thomas who, um, Steph Simon, and it's an artist that I don't know who it is, but um. I just ended up randomly getting a 16 on there. And I, like I said, I sent it back and the rest, the rest I'll find out with the world when the album comes out. Cause I don't know, like, yeah, <laughs> they sent me my part. like they sent me the record and they said they need it back on this time frame, And I'll try to get it back in time. That's dope. How, what what you think about Tulsa? Like, I know you're in Oklahoma city, but what, how, what do you think about Tulsa? The music culture out there is like amazing. Like what y'all have been able to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I think, 
the stuff with uh with Steph in the Wall Street Journal, the stuff that y'all are doing like with the fire and little African like Rolling Stones and stuff is is not small plays that are being made. You know what I'm saying? And y'all doing it mm-hmm. from right here in the state where the rest of us are at. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I think that shit like that gives motivation. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like y'all are finding a way to connect the dots on the ground level. So it's it's possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think with everything with the um with the Black Wall Street and everything that's getting so much attention out in Tulsa. I think that that's going to be a big deal for Oklahoma, period. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's cool to sit back and watch. Like I said, with the Fire in Little Africa, it's just dope to be able to say, I'm a part of that. Like, that's crazy. Just randomly, last minute, it became a thing. So, yeah. So um, are there any, are there any other, like, fila artists that you might want to work with that you've never worked with, with before? For sure. A lot of them I'm just now getting familiar with, if I'm honest. Like, most of the artists that I met, it's like just out here on the ground level doing shows and like coming across each other multiple times, just getting familiar with people. But I've done a lot of that, a lot more of that in Oklahoma city. I think mm. I've been out in Tulsa, maybe um, three, maybe four times. And I, I've I met seen one after, of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, the empower her event Saturday. It was a uh, November 14th. I think that was, that was the yeah. first time I saw you spit live. And I was just like, yo, real deal. Holy field. Yeah. Like that was an amazing night. Like shout out, shout out to Saray. Tizzy, uh, Bambi, Walsh performed, yeah. DJ, yeah. Christina, yeah. Yo. Yeah. Um, Like everything that I've done so far connected to Tulsa, like Gabby tries to always find a way to include me. You know what I'm saying? And like, Didn't, I, you did a show uh, with Gabby at the uh, Rabbit Hole before I once. Yeah, I, did, I don't I, know what was going on that night, but I was so salty that I could not make that. I think I may have been at the max. I feel like I might've been next. Cause I was like, oh man, K.O. was here. Like. I've never got to see you perform. And so I was like, dang, I can't make it to that show. So yeah. I, I'm I'm just it's crazy to me, like being somebody from Enid and it's like, damn, like people in Tulsa like are finding out about the things that I'm doing. Cause I still get stuck in the fact that like I'm from Enid. Everything is big to me because I'm from Enid. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like I'm from a place where it's a whole lot of nothing. So just a little bit is is everything to me. You know what I'm Do saying? Do you know the Baconomics? Uh-uh. Like, aren't isn't one of the one of the guys from Enid, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's a rap group. They're not together right now anymore, but yeah. I, um, I never heard of them before. The only other musician like that I know out of Enid is Leona Mitchell, and she's an opera singer. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yes. That's like as big as we've seen it out there. You know what I'm saying? And those are the things to where it's like people so blind to what opera is going on with that. They don't even see it for how big that is. I'm like, damn, that's somebody that's a black lady from where we from. And she's yeah. overseas, like singing opera, like she's a big deal in her field, and nobody even understands how big of a deal that is. Like, right? So it's, that's it. Christina Suarez. I, I feel I kind of wonder if she's gonna go back into opera at some point in her life because she's capable. She's done all kinds of stuff. It's special, man. Like people don't realize, like the other if people get so caught up in their own land, they don't realize the other special shit that's going on in music. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. a whole other world out there musically that people ain't even tapped into. Like, any favorite operas? I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here and lie to y'all like I'm the most familiar with opera. Like the most that I know would probably be from like high school. And I don't even know if it count. Well, I guess it does count. Like Phantom of the Opera, whenever you like learn shit like that, the, uh, what is it? The, I want to say the symphony, but I can't remember what it's called. Like the, uh, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that classifies as opera, but it's just shit that I learned in high school that was genres that I wasn't even familiar with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can yeah. all of that into a field of shit to where it's like it's otherworldly type music because there's nothing I ever heard like that before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely an operatic movement at the beginning of that song by Queen. Um, For sure. Yeah. I'm a definitely a Barbara Figueroy kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pavarotti. I love Bocelli. Yeah. You know, y'all familiar. Like, y'all y'all music buffs for real because it's like I can only tell you the things that I heard like in high school you know what I'm saying like mm. and I like like I said the small town shit like it's limited to what is in this area that's what you will be exposed to that's it you know what oh I'm yeah saying? the only even knew about that just because like that was like my favorite jam on the uh the Bugs Bunny joint <laughs> the barber of the bill yeah the bar yeah Figaro <laughs> that's my shit that's hilarious okay wait so KO means does it mean what I think it means it is knockout. Yeah, that's what it okay. was for. It's not, um, my cousin's like, whenever I was coming up, I was like somebody who I just, like I said, I wanted attention for my raps. So I would battle anybody like outside, like I would run up to whoever going to rap. I want to rap against them. Whoever think they better, I want to out rap them, whatever. So my cousin um, had a studio session. Like they had 
just got it like a Dell computer. This back when Dell computers was popping. If you had the the nice ones, you was lit. Like so, he yeah. had he had a studio session at his house, and I went. Do, 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 do. And, um, yeah, they they let me rap, and he saw me outside and just grabbed me. He was like, "Oh, cause you was knocking them out on the mic. We just gonna call you KO from here on out. That's your name." And the shit just stuck, and everybody just started calling me that, and that just been my name like ever since. It just stuck. Now you used to go. It was she is KO, but now you dropped the she is right. No, see, it was always KO. I'm in my okay. mind thinking that it was smart marketing. Like, you know, whenever everybody started doing their social media handles and Diddy did, I am Diddy. I didn't want to okay. be just the person saying I am so-and-so. So I was like, she is KO. I was like, people will see it and they'll get it wrong because that quickly became my name and that was never intended to be my name. Okay, and that's so- okay. That's what it is. It's, I'm doing the same thing that you do with Shy Guy. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you just, people started knowing me from my socials and I was like, yeah, my name is just KO, but it was, that was from my socials. So yeah. But you all, you also use, uh, what is it? It was Bitch Alive. <laughs> yeah, like, um, like I said, I came up whenever like the, the, the female rappers were like, it, it damn near started to feel like WWF because like I was a big WWF kid. So it's like, yeah, he's stone cold. You know what I'm saying? It's the macho man, Randy Savage. Like you have a name, but it's like a a moncker on it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, I'm KO, but I'm the illest bitch alive. You know what I'm saying? And like, so it's like, it was just like my WWF, like my persona, like it's, that's my label for who I am. That's who I am. It definitely is who you are. I mean, (laughs) I'm just saying like, (laughs) you walk in the room, it's like, oh, you know. I was talking to um, to Thomas who a couple weeks ago, he came on my podcast and uh, I was talking to him and he was like, he said, I can tell that like you were influenced because I told him that Stone Cold Steve Austin was like my dad. I said, him and Jay-Z always felt like my pops. Like those are the men. <laughs> yes. And he was like, uh, he that's said, a quote from this episode. <laughs> he was like, I can see Stone Cold. He said, because I hear the glass break as soon as you walk in the room. And I just heard <laughs> and I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And everyone just throws a fist up. This is another one of those I wish Buddy was here moments. Like, oh yeah, a whole conversation about WWF right now. Man, you know, like I was a WWF kid. Like, it broke my heart whenever my granny had to sit me down and explain that that was not real. Like, I was somebody who was just enthralled in it. Like, this is. I used to want to skip church so I could watch wrestling. I was like, I don't want to go. I want to stay at home and watch what's happening on wrestling this week. Like, I wanted to buy the magazines, everything. Like, yeah, I'm a big wrestling kid. And when they got sued and had to change the name, I wanted to throw the TV out the window. I was like, what are y'all doing? Yeah. (sighs) When it got too corporate, it just went to shit. It was like, man. Yeah. It just, it seems so plastic. I don't know. I miss the old school. I like Coco Beware and Jake the Snake and all of all the ones I grew up on. Oh, yeah, Rick Being in the rafters, like, man, yeah. Yeah, all of that. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I think, was my favorite. Mick Foley, like, come on. It's so Foley, many, like, yeah. amazing things that, like, happen in wrestling. It was like, those are some of, like, the greatest characters, like, seeing The Rock, like, whenever he was first introduced to the world, like, not yes. The Rock, like, The Rock, the wrestler, like, yeah, that shit he was, was a grown ass man then, and now I'm looking at him like, wow, cool. <laughs> so yeah, that's possible. I just cool. saw a picture. I can just on... kick it into high gear at like thirty nine, <laughs> <laughs> and still achieve that. Maybe yeah, man. it was a picture of him at fifteen years old. He looked like a grown man on Instagram. I was like, wow, he was not fifteen. That's crazy. Yeah. The Rock is dope. So tell us more. What What do you love about the Oklahoma City hip hop scene? I know you mentioned Thomas Who. So who else you been? And, um, I've met some amazing artists. Like I said, like I like I always say, I'm from Enix. So it's like everything is amazing just to be able to like meet artists with that level of talent that you can like sit down and talk to. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like I rapped in Enix my whole life, and then just got to feeling like, damn, I can't be the only good rapper. You know what I'm saying? There has to be other people in the because it's like it's Enix. It's like you you one in a million you know what i'm saying it's in it so it's like once i started coming to the city and meeting people who it's like these are the reasons like why i rap people who love this like i love it you know what i'm saying like it's not just a way to try to make some quick money they really love the art of this shit you know what i'm saying so it's like thomas who uh i met through dz like dz got me put on at a show at hubbly bubbly and um it was hard at hip-hop and uh that was thomas who's first time seeing me perform and they do this thing called uh a hundred bars like where they open up the show and everybody spits acapella walks around the crowd now bz put me on the show i'm thinking i'm just coming to get a 15 minute set get out the way 
I'm not prepared. So I walk in and it's like everybody on couches, like vibed out, super vibey and hubbly bubbly. And of course my nerves just on a thousand. I'm not prepared. You know what I'm saying? So of course it comes my time. I'm always a person who is like, I always tell myself anything that scares me, I'm run towards it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to let fear paralyze me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm going to at least try, even if I fail. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That's how it should be. I went up there and I started rapping. I got through like the first four bars and just started to stumble and just kept like just eating it. So I got through the next eight and then just, you know, I wrapped it up. So I finished it. So inside my spirit is broken. Cause I'm like, I just fumbled the ball. Like it's, it's trash. Nobody going to take me serious like this, this and that. So performance times come around and I get up there and I start to perform and I win them back with my music. You know what I'm saying? And just being like on par. So it's like, I come off stage and I chop it up with Thomas who, and he calls me the next day. And it's like, Thomas who is like one of those guys who I look at, I look at him like a sensei of rap. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though he's somebody that like, I can reach out and touch, I look at him as like, he's an alien. You are a guy who does something that nobody else can do in the room. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if you try your hardest, you're not going to rap with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's that type of guy. So like, he's, he just started talking to my soul and just telling me, you know, he was like, you know, the things that artists like me go outside and do this for, you are that. He was like, you know, I just want to push you because you can take it farther. He was like, you can rap with people like me, but you can rap, you can rap up there. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not just, this is not just locally. This is not just that. Don't ever feel that way. Like he was just like speaking life into me, you know what I'm saying? And just, he was like, you know, I want to create with you. Cause he, he was like, I feel like I'm gonna look up with my kids one day and see you at the Grammys and be like, damn, I knew her from Oklahoma city and this, this and that, like just speaking so much life and positivity into me, you know what I'm saying? So it just blew my mind to be like, somebody who was praised by an artist who I look at like him, like at that level of rap. It's like, damn, you know, like he's somebody who I look at like a lyrical miracle rapper. So for him to be somebody that's like, I know I fuck with what you do. Like I was honored by that. You know what I'm saying? So, but you know, guys like JB fucking, I met JB out here and JB was the first artist who I saw that was like from a ground level, you made some amazing connections and strides just simply off your music, just being out here grinding it out, networking. It's like, my nigga, like you did a Steph Curry commercial, like you know what I'm saying. You got connections, right? You do like yeah, big shit. You do like real show, like you're not doing, you're not doing little local sets, like you the real deal. You know what I'm saying? Like you blue check on IG, like niggas know who you are. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he did that off of music. So shit like that is motivation to me because it's like, damn, you somebody who did it from the ground level and found your way. You know what I'm saying? Like it shows that that shit is possible. Like people will hear that shit. And you can build something off of that. Like um. Shit, I don't know. Like y'all, it's it's all types of artists out here, like uh, amazing people who are great at what they do. That I'm just I'm honored to be able to link with them and create with them because I feel like at the end of the day, that shit makes my music better. You know what I'm saying? Like when we was talking about uh slide through, I came out to Tulsa with um my guy Traquan. You know what I'm saying? And I met Traquan randomly through a show that I did out in um I did a show I did a show for Dez at Rabbit Hole a couple years ago, and Traquan came to the show. And you know um. I love whenever I'm out and it's like other artists who are not like ego people, they'll walk up and say, you know, I think what you're doing is dope. I like this is and, and just have like, you know, a conversation with you. You know what I'm saying? Traquan was one of those guys. So it's like, he hit me and was like, oh, you know, come to Tulsa one weekend and, you know, I'll set up some sessions with different producers and we'll go to different places and just link you with people and we'll just work. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. wondering, like, okay, he's trying to sell me a dream. I'm going to go out here and see and hopefully it's not no bullshit. So I go and Traquan really had it like set up and took me like all over Tulsa. Like we went through, um, we went through Versus house. We went through a studio out there. He had a session at his house and T-Maze came through. Um, Bambi came through. I knew Bambi through shows. She had come to the city and done some shows. I had come to Tulsa and done some shows. So we saw each other in passing, but that was the first time like we actually got to sit down and do some casual shit and just kick the shit. So like T-Maze was playing beats and um, I was out there writing and Bambi came out. And Bambi's like one of those rappers who I look at as like a lyrical miracle rapper. Cause it's like, with, with me, it's like, I'm a person who I love to try to give you like braggadocious raps. I want it to feel like, I want it to feel like, like cool, like a vibe, like a good time. But then there are people who like, they do lyrical gymnastics with this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not to be cool. It's like, they really lyrical miracle rappers. Like you gotta take time and evaluate each bar. And Bambi's one of those artists like that, like artists like, Tierra Whack, like artists like fucking um, No Name, like artists who you really have to take time and break those lyrics down because they really saying real shit. They not just running no rhymes together. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, the track with Bambi was a big deal for me because it's like, I'm honored whenever I can get on a track and hold my own with rappers of that caliber. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
that shows me like my skill set. So it's like I was honored to be able to like stand next to Bambi and go like back and forth. And Bambi like, no, this is some cool shit. You know what I'm saying? Like Bambi is a lyrical miracle rapper. So it's like that, that was works so well together too. Like hearing both of you on the track is like, oh shit. It's like yeah. Bambi, Bambi is like the real dude. What won what won my heart over with Bambi, like I, I saw Bambi perform. And she's one of those artists that it's like Bambi will rap for 60 minutes and don't have to take a breath. You know what I'm saying? Like she is a MC. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, it blew my mind. Like I was like, damn, like you got the best lungs this side of the Mississippi River. I ain't never seen nobody do a set and they, they could rap that long and never run out of breath. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, crazy. But I'm just, I'm just a fan of her artistry too. It's like, it's a lot of artists who I've met that are just like top tier in their field and what they do to me, even at this level. Like I don't look at them just because it's local and be like, no, you're not a gym. You're still a gym. Even though the world don't know that you're a gym, you're still a gym. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. those people are, like, gifted in what they do. I find it kind of ironic, too, Doc, that she called Thomas Hua Sensei. Do you remember when he said that? He, have you heard yeah. his episode yet on the Fire Little Apple Podcast? He was podcast? talking about senseis. Oh, you got to go back and listen to his episode. You'll know why then. And, and for sure, yeah, I, probably, I probably got the shit from him because when we have conversations, like I said, he's just, like, I look at him like he's one of those guys that's like really a guru. Like when he talks to me, it's like he he's somebody who's mastered this and he he takes me under his wing like I'm somebody who got it too. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. those two, you know what I'm saying? I'm always honored that he treats me like I'm one of those. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, Thomas. It's like when we were talking to him, I said, you know, anybody that says I rap better than you better. <laughs> yeah. Like you put that on your shirt, you better rap better than everybody else now. And he proved it every right, single time. time. He's not hesitant. He's he's stand on that. That's what I love about it. That he's stand on that. And I'm like, I, I put the house on Thomas. There's not a lot of people who can go into a room and rap with artists like Jay Electronica. And I tell him that I'm like, you a guy who could, could go rap with Jay Electronica and your pen don't shake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like really that guy. Like I, yeah. I feel like he's one of those aliens. Like for sure. For sure. The best way to support this podcast is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a second and your review can help more people learn about Fire in Little Africa. So please take a minute right now. Okay, that was less than a minute, but yeah, I'm going to, I'll sit here and wait. You good? You're at Apple Podcasts, right? You gave us that five-star rating? Cool. Now leave a comment with what you like most about the podcast. Remember, be the spark, protect your flame, and pass the torch. So, okay, um, on the show, you know, we always want to talk about um, what the project is about, you know, Fire in Little Africa and the meaning behind it. And so, of course, we're always curious to know what you know about the history of Black Wall Street and especially um, how old you were when you first learned about the Tulsa Race Massacre. If I'm 1000% honest, my first introduction to the Tulsa, um, the Tulsa Race, Tulsa Race Riots was, what's the HBO show? Um, Love Watchmen. Love Country, New. Oh, Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country. Like just last year actually was the first time that I got well, to the TV version of the detailed story of what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course they they give you a, a period of it in school, but they don't really talk about the details of what happened or anything that it was really about. So it's like, we're well, watching the episode of Lovecraft and like just seeing how, I don't know what it is about the timing of like Black Wall Street and the Tulsa race riots and everything with Tulsa being like, is it is it anniversary for you guys just recently with that? It will be in May. It'll be the one. It'll mark the 100 year centennial. It felt like it was just everywhere the last couple of years. Like it was just like that's like, why like, because popular, that's, popularized. I was like they haven't talked about this as much as they're talking about it right now. Yeah, you know? it's it's because the 100 year is coming up, and so there's a lot of attention. You know, yeah, the, the Lovecraft episode was really the first time that yeah. I got story of what happened with it, which I think is amazing. Like. That's a nationally syndicated HBO is a big deal for them to be talking about the Tulsa race riots on one of those episodes. Like, and not even I'm not even somebody who from Tulsa, just being from Oklahoma, being able to turn on HBO and be like, damn, they talk about Oklahoma. They think we don't mm -hmm. do shit out here, but got the clan tornadoes and ride horses. That's it. So it's like to be able to see that on nationally syndicated TV is like a big deal. You know what I'm saying? And Very. I I just think that that's huge. You know what I'm saying? Like just to see the influence of of how how influential like black people were in Tulsa and like how they were rich and how they was running shit. And they had their own areas, their own money, like stores. And they did it not from like a, not to come from like a racist standpoint, but it's just like, it's supposed to be that way in everybody's culture. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. y'all are supposed to have your own generational wealth from 
wherever y'all come from, you know what I'm saying? The descendant or whatever you from, y'all supposed to have wealth. Y'all supposed to be able to have y'all own. Like it's supposed to be that way. And that was like a moment to me where it was like, damn, like that was a big deal. And to see like that shit destroyed and like the lives that was lost behind like bullshit. That was just crazy to me. Like but you that should was- look up um, if you want to watch a little further. I just watched a documentary the other night, um, a couple nights ago. It's on PBS. They actually aired it a couple of times, but I think you watch it online through American Masters. It's called Going Back to T-Town. Okay. And it was, I believe probably filmed right before that, but they aired it in 1993. And it has a lot of interviews with the um, survivors, you know, like uh, Mabel Little is on it. Anyway, it's really good. Um, I was very impressed. What parts is that? Well, I think it's only one, um, one what I could tell, because there's another one that's coming out soon. And I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of that off the top of my head, but I saw like, no, they're going to re-air going back to T-Town. And when I tell y'all, like, it, it, anyway, just the detail of it. And it really makes me, there's a the tour that, you know, you have through the Greenwood Cultural Center. So I was going to tell you that too, KO, if you ever want to do that, you can do a tour through the Greenwood Cultural Center or Chief. Um, I, that's the one I really want to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, you know? And I came down there and uh, went to the, the silhouette sneaker store and that was like on the strip over there and like where they got the uh the mural and all that stuff out there like that was my first time ever physically seeing it you know what i'm saying yeah seeing that strip so yeah i think that shit is dope yeah so um well it's interesting to hear you say too that you actually did hear about it in school a lot of people say that they don't they don't yeah. give you like the whole backstory, but it's because I wouldn't even say that they give it like a paragraph in our history books. It's like you might get a sentence or two, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just the reference from it. that is the it's it's fucked up, but that's just the reality of it. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't get the whole right. backstory of what happened. It's just mm-hmm. the entire outlook as far as like African American culture, the way it's presented to you in school is like it's a very small portion. So for Tulsa to get like a sentence is like. And was that college? No, I want to say it was high school. In high school. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's surprising. I don't know. I'm I'm glad and and hoping that you know that's going to change, especially for our children. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's what the shit y'all doing now is definitely becoming like a staple out here to where you have to be familiar with that. It's not something that you can overlook or deny no more. It's like yeah, it is everywhere. Like just the way the even with the music culture, the way that Tulsa carries it, like the Black Wall Street movement is a thing. Like whenever you talk about the Tulsa scene and the way that they do, those are things that you have to reference. You know what I'm saying? So. Absolutely. It's American history. Yeah, it is. It's that's American history. It really is. Yeah. All right. Well, um, wanted to talk to you about if you have heard this phrase that has is said quite often. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen the hashtags. <laughs> um, but if you've heard the phrase being used here in Tulsa or even any, you know, where you're at too, but uh, what does the question for you that we always like to ask on all of the shows is what does everything is us mean to you? Shit, not, I'm one of those spiritual people. So it's like, whenever you say everything is us, I immediately start to look at it like the world and shit, the possibilities. It's like, everything is us. You know what I'm saying? Like the power for you to be able to go outside and do what the fuck you want to do and be magical. Like everything is us. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I might be looking at it from a perspective that y'all don't mean it from, but that's the way that I be seeing No, it. okay. So let me preface this with- There's no There's wrong no answer. wrong answer. Yes. Okay. No wrong it's answer. your yeah. definition. That's how I see it. Like the light of the world, like everything that it within life itself, everything is us. You know what I'm saying? Like we are walking light. You know what I'm saying? Like everything that is in existence is the power of us. That's just the way that I see the shit. So whenever I hear that, that's the first way that I think about it. Bet. I like yeah. that. Me too. I like and how she started with, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not deep in it. Like I ain't gonna sit up and tell you I got my crystals and shit, but it's like from a perspective of looking at it from the big picture, it's like, you know, yeah, everything is us. Like, and well, it's, it's like if you that, don't, like, if you don't mind, like speak a little further on your life philosophy. Like, I'm curious to know, like how you feel about that. As far your, as philosophy. your spiritual outlook, like your, your, and your life philosophy, like how, yeah. Okay, like for me, I'm always a person that looks at it like I give God the glory in like everything that I do. I feel like everything that's magical in me, everything that makes me a light, a walking light in this world is all through the power of God. And that's not from like a religious standpoint. Like 
I was somebody who grew up in church, but as far as like my outlook on spirituality and God, it don't have nothing to do with church or the Bible. And, you know, respect to everybody and what they do, but it's just like, I'm a person that's like the relationship that you have with the most high is something that you get from, you know what I'm saying? Just walking through life and the experience, you know what I'm saying? Like in your travels, like you get to a space where after a certain amount of shit is happening in your life, you just get to a point where it's like, there has to be something that's bigger than this that I can call on. It's not just, it's not just this, you know what I'm saying? Like this won't be enough. You'll drive yourself crazy if you somebody who don't believe in nothing and feel like this is just all there is. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you know that nothing is coincidence. The people that you meet, the the way that situations unfold in your life, the places that you go, like even the bad things, like everything is intended for your good. Like I always try to wrap my mind around the fact that even when shit don't go my way, I know that this is all for me to be something greater at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like even whenever I don't understand, like even when I'm lost, it's like God is doing something bigger than me right now. Like holistic. Like, some shit like yeah. that. Just like I try not to get like lately, not to not to get on my soapbox, but it's like lately whenever I talk to God, God just been telling me, you know what I'm saying, don't get attached to the journey. Just be attached to the fact that I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a person who gets caught up in the hows and the whys or what's gonna happen to make this shit work. But you know, just God just be in my ear, like, you know, just trust the fact that I'm doing it. Don't get connected to the people. Oh, let me let me tell you about this hashtag I saw on a friend of mine's Facebook post. He said, God's no is a yes. Yeah, that too. Hell yeah. So like that, that's the way that my mind works. It's like, even when it don't make no sense, like even whenever it's bad, even when it's fucked up, it's like, it's all for your greater good. Like even when you don't get it, you have to believe that. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, at some point it's all going to make sense to you. That's how I live my life. Like I don't understand shit to be happening half the time. Like I'm in a state of, of surrender in my life. It's like, God, whatever you say it is, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, I'm just trying to be like, it's, it's cool. I'm going to go with the flow of whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Because I was a person who got in their way a, a whole lot. You know what I'm saying? So it's like being in the state that I'm in now, it's like I'm, I'm more in a state of comfortability. Like I'm not as afraid or like trying to ba- brace myself for bad shit to happen. It's like I'm, I'm really just going with the flow and letting it be whatever it is and trying to be comfortable with that. Like It shows. It really does show. It reflects I- through you. Thank you. I mean, shit, I hope so. Cause I'll be like, I don't, I don't know y'all. Like I'm, I'm doing the best that I can to be the best version of myself. And that's all that I know. Like, and I, and it took me a minute to get to that place. So I'm, I'm just grateful to be there. Like, yeah. I have to say our girl, Des got Steve. She was bragging on you. I was talking, we were talking about you the other day. She was bragging on you a lot. She had some really good things to say about you. Man. it's, it's, It's like I said, like Ali, Des, Des is one of those people too, like to put me on out in Tulsa. Like me and Des have had some one-on-one conversations. It's like this the shit with this journey and like finding your way and like the way that things work out here. Like it's easy to lose lose yourself and get like lost, like in your mind, just trying to be progressive. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's like damn, I just I want better for my life, but that'll yeah. put you in a place of frustration. The way that you go about trying to make that shit happen, but it's like I, I don't know, like every. I don't know. Everything is us. Like you said, everything is everything. us. <laughs> Full circle, make it make sense, y'all. It's, it's like, holistic. It, yeah, it all comes back around. Yeah. It's, it it's, really all, does. it's all a part of the journey. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody you meet, Des was one of those people like connecting the dots with me, putting me in a place to where like I could run into people like Bambi. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. All, all of these things are, all of these things are necessary steps to get to where the fuck you need to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm I'm grateful for all of them. However, anybody found out about me, like what whatever their connection is to my journey, I'm I'm grateful for all of it. But I mean, yeah, man. I'm sorry. I don't know where I was going with it. No, but- don't apologize. Ain't no wrong answers. Yeah. Yeah, that was perfect. All right. Well, Doc, I man, I don't know what else we can say about KO. She really is a true knockout. Uh, I'm, I'm always gonna think about that glass breaking every time now. Yes, <laughs> you better put that sound effect on a project yeah, somewhere. On. Somebody, I'm, I'm calling. I think Mike D might be able to. We get Mike D to remix the the Stone Cold Steve Watson intro. Oh, dun, 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 dun. oh my gosh! Dun, Just dun, the thought dun, of dun, that dun, blew my mind. He was dun, like, dun, "Yeah, dun, I had the glass breaking." <laughs> Could you imagine Mike D and KO on a track together, though? What you just Those said. Bars. Have you heard All of Mike bars. D, KO? I heard of Mike D. Oh, oh okay, yeah. The part about Tulsa MCs is like it's. I feel the way the way about Tulsa that I feel about like places like Philly. It's something in the water. Like it's something because <laughs> it's like everybody and their mama. The minute that you picked up a pen, it's like 
you have to be a certain level of nice to even come outside and do this. Like in Tulsa, it's not a lot of, I don't feel like y'all leave a lot of room for the people who not nice with it. Like even if it's from a different, like a subgenre, subgenre of rap, like even if it's not lyrical miracle, you know what I'm saying? Like even if they do a street style of rap, you gotta be nice with it to be out here. You know what I'm yes. saying? You ain't letting that bullshit slide. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, so that's, that's the one thing that I love about Tulsa is that you really gotta be nice to be outside. You know what I'm saying? And I think that shows with the way that whenever y'all present a collective with Tulsa MCs, they all nice. It's not nobody who don't own no bullshit in it. So it's crazy. So real quick, Mike D is a part of a collective called Oil House, which Doc Free is also a part of. And yeah, oh my gosh. Listen, I'm like, my mind is set on that right now. Like I need Mike D and KO to do a track together. Boom. That would be so dope with the glass breaking. (laughs) Oh, all right, y'all. Man, I could sit here and talk music with you all day, KO. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank y'all for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I'm honored to be a part of Fire Little Africa. Like I said, this is this is some shit that on a whim happened, but it's such a big deal. Like me being somebody looking at it from the outside looking in, it's not one thousand percent clear about what's going on. Like just to have my name attached to it. Like I said, like I say all the time, you know, I'm from Enid. This is a big deal. Like you know what I'm saying? Like there's there's a media run behind the project that y'all created. So it's like just to be a part of that shit is crazy. Like I'm honored. Yeah. Well, thank you once again for taking the time. All right. So on behalf of the Fire and Little Africa podcast, I'm Ali Shaw. And I'm Doc Free. We want to remind you to be the spark. Protect your flame. And pass the torch. All right, y'all. Let's get into this track by K.O. Man, she really is the illest bitch alive. This is Pull Up Part 2. Don't leave me waiting too long when you know someone just might just be your only.